On this podcast, we talk exclusively to Black athletes, whether you're a seasoned vet, a beginner, or someone just considering trying the sport. This podcast is for you. Thank you for listening to Black with Endurance podcast. On this episode, Coach and I catch up with orthopedic surgeon, triathlete, author, podcaster, Dr. Wita Brown. Dr. Brown is so inspiring. So she tells us about being a black woman in a primarily white male-dominated field and sport. So that has got to be tough. And also she shares with us what inspired her to create her podcast and book, Running is Cheaper Than Therapy. She also has a club on Clubhouse for Running is Cheaper Than Therapy where she hosts a room every Thursday. So you might want to check that out. If you're not following her on Instagram, you need to be. (laughs) So make sure you find her club on Clubhouse, Running is Cheaper Than Therapy. Um, She drops some gems. She is a very adventurous woman. Oh my God, she inspires me so much. She's like everything I hope to become. (laughs) Her love for sports medicine and her love for sports is just impressive. So I'm going to let you guys get into it. (laughs) So without further ado, do not forget to like, subscribe, follow, and share this episode with at least one friend. We appreciate you and... Enjoy. Well, welcome, Dr. Weta Brown. I've been anticipating this since I met you. <laughs> I know I can actually see your face versus just hearing your voice. Oh, yay, because we only have conversations on Clubhouse. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's dope. So how are you liking that app anyway? I love it. I wouldn't met you too if it wasn't for Clubhouse. I love it. It's networking. You actually can talk to people versus just sending messages. Yeah. Yeah, we're trying to bring uh, Black with the Nerds to Clubhouse. Hopefully uh, we can get you on there so people can come on and ask you some questions after they hear this episode. Okay, sure. Oh. All right. You want to tell us a little bit about your background? Um, Well, your background in sports, as well as your professional background as an orthopedic surgeon. Well, I am an orthopedic surgeon, sports medicine trained. I did a sports fellowship in uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, I also was a physical therapist. I worked for three years and I loved orthopedics and, and sports, which is actually how I got into orthopedics. I was doing wound care on this patient. Um, he had a foot wound and I realized I loved the breeding because I like having a knife in my hand (laughs) (laughs) and I met a female orthopedic surgeon and I never have seen a female orthopedic surgeon. So I was like, okay, I thought about it. I'm like, if she can do it, I can do it too. So in my mind, that's what I wanted to do all through med school. Um, so I did my sports medicine fellowship. I do general orthopedics, but I... I'm inclined to sports injuries, and shoulders are my favorite joint. Um, I also am an athlete. I started running in 2000, and I started running in 2008, following the death of my mother. She had breast cancer, uh-huh. and I was clinically depressed following her death. 
Um, and I gained like about 20 pounds. So I started running to lose weight. Then I realized that it helped my mind. It helped my spirit. So it was like therapeutic. That's why I'm the title. Of, I read a book about it. Running is cheaper than therapy, which is where the title <laughs> came from because it was cheaper than therapy because I had to actually go to therapy. Yeah. So, I love it. Well, I love that. I love that title. <laughs> We're gonna have to read the book. Uh, so, so I started running, for, and I've been running for ten years. And then I started doing triathlons, which is kind of funny how I got into it. I always wanted to do it, but I couldn't swim. I took lessons as a child, but all I remember is Mr. Tanner. He was like the one person who taught swimming in my small hometown in Mississippi. So he used to throw us in the pool and deep end, we made it to the shallow end. So I could swim evidently because I made it to the shallow end, but I hated it. I hated doing my hair. I hated water going up my nose. I hated it. So I think I had a mental aversion to swimming. So I took lessons again, but I really didn't learn. But my godson texted me, which he's in Mississippi and was like, I want you to do this race on Saturday. And it was Wednesday. It was a triathlon. I think it was an Olympic distance. He was like, it's four hours, it's ample enough time you can bike, run, and swim and come home. I'm like, do you just want me to come home? He was like, yes, but you can do it. I was like, okay, I'll do it next year. He didn't know I couldn't really swim because he knows how to swim because he's a pool. He mm -hmm. knew I ran all the time and cycled with my friends. So I couldn't lie to him. So I bought a road bike. I joined Major Taylor and I started taking swimming lessons. And the next year I went home and did a triathlon. That's dope. So going back a little bit, okay. <laughs> a little bit back to the, to the orthopedic surgeon part, because you were, uh, you were into medicine before you even got into the triathlons, am I right? Mm -hmm. So when was that? When did you, when did you become a, a surgeon? Or I finished my fellowship in 2008. Okay. And what was it exactly that drew you to sports injuries? really like well interesting um my third year medical my third year residency we do a sports rotation with um dr andrews he's a orthopedic surgeon he treats a lot of pro athletes so uh -huh. when i was on rotation there were a lot of like famous people most of them i didn't know like they were baseball players um but he's operated on several famous people and he just was a good a nice guy and he just and he was really nice to residents versus sometimes people aren't so nice to residents, even when he had high profile athletes. And he, it just was fun. And all his fellows were just nice in the cases I loved and the, and the patients were motivated. So I, that's when I, cause I was one, originally wanted to be a hand surgeon. I realized I love sports medicine. So it was after that rotation, it was Dr. Andrews that really got me interested in sports. Okay. A hand surgeon? I still like hand cases, but yeah, a hand surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I like, I like hand, hand fractures and carpal tunnels and distal radius fractures. And okay, no, that drew what? me. That drew me to you because you're a black woman and you're an orthopedic surgeon. It's a sports medicine. Like I'm just now finding my love for sports medicine later on, but I. That's amazing. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead, Coach. What? What? What obstacles did you face along the way in, in becoming a surgeon? It that was the road, you know, just kind of like you just fell into it. Was it easy for you? Was there ever a point you felt like I can't do this? And how'd you get through? 
Well, it was several obstacles actually, because my field, particularly orthopedics, is a white male dominated field. So there are less than 1% black female orthopedic surgeons. So I was the only person in my residency. I'm still the only black female. There's only been three African-American males. I mean, three African-American people, period, through my residency program. So it was difficult that it, I didn't see anyone who looked like me. And I felt like a couple of my attendants gave me a hard time just because I wasn't the norm. They gave other women a hard time too, because there was another resident with me. One day, the residency program director told us she was gonna get fired. So she went looking for other spots or another job. And he was like, no, I was just telling you that to motivate you, which makes no sense. So our residency director was a little hostile. I'm a, that's a nice way of putting it. Um, so it, it was hard and I feel like they were, they'll let the guys do more in surgery. So it's like I had to fight to do things, but you don't wanna to be too aggressive. So it was kind of hard to find my place in my residency program. And even out in the, in the world, because they'll think, they'll like reps will come to my hospital and they'll think I'm like a nurse or they, they won't be like, oh, you're Dr. Brown? I'm like, yeah, that's me. That's crazy. And it's kind of similar in triathlon, in the triathlon world as well, right? Yes, it's primarily um, white male. So we're, we're a small percentage of, and especially when you get to like the Ironman and half Ironman distance. And there's like, there's no black female pro triathlete. And there's only one male. That's crazy. So when getting into uh, the triathletes, I know you did your first one back home. So what made you decide to keep going to stay with it? Like well, my first one actually was, I did one before I went home because um, it just worked out there because I wanted to do it was one that was canceled that I was uh -huh. going to do locally I went to Kalamazoo Michigan it was try for the 4th of July I just looked it up and I ran it over with my coach and he was like this is a good, good race for you so it was like four hours from here so I went and it was warm that weekend unseasonably warm so I couldn't use my wetsuit so I freaked out and the the person, the race director looked at me and saw I was about to cry. I was like, I can't use my wetsuit. I freaked out. She was like, you can use your pool buoy, which is you, you're really not supposed to use it in a race. You tie it around your um, waist to help you float and so people can, like when you open water swimming by yourself or with a group so they can see you. So they let me use it. Um, I was the very last person to get out the water. The kayak guy was like, are you okay? And I was like, am I the last person in the water? He said, yes, but you're gonna finish. So I was the last person out of the water and all the people remember me from um, the day before and they cheered and called my name when I ran up the stairs. But I want, I'm not finishing the last because I'm good on the bike. So I caught up with people on the bike and the trail run was kind of interesting, but I finished and I was like, I'm gonna try, I can do it. I can swim <laughs> water without freaking out. So. <laughs> that, that sounds like the toughest part for a lot of people. Yes, it is. I've had my freak out. My set, the one in Mississippi, I wasn't the last person out, but I was toward the end because my godsend was like, "You were one of the last people out of the water." I was like, "Yes." He's like, "But you check, you caught people on the bike." I was like, "Yes." 
You must have some powerful legs. <laughs> and I feel relieved when I get out of water. I'm like, yes, I can just enjoy the rest of the race. So I noticed you mentioned your coach. So if for anybody that's listening that is interested in getting into triathlons uh, and is looking for a coach, what, what traits do you look for in a coach or what, what qualifications do you suggest them making sure their coach has before like hiring a coach? Well, I think you should, I'm, well, I did not know my coach. One of my friends recommended me to him and I like the fact he was African-American. He, and he actually boards. So we're interested in some of the same, I ski. So we're interested in some of the same sports. Um, he also went to HBCU. So we have a lot in common. <laughs> um, and he actually, he pushes you. I had no, I didn't think I really could do what I actually did. I mean, I had these goals. I'm like, I want to sign up for a half Ironman, but I don't know if I should do it this early. You, you can do it. You can do it. So it's like he had more confidence than I had in myself. So I think you need a coach that knows you and can push you without, you know, he wouldn't have me sign up for an Ironman after I've only swam like 100 yards in the pool, of course. But um, that pushes you who knows you, someone you can relate to. Someone you just have a good relationship with. Because I know people who have a, a coach and they barely talk to them or it's, it's virtual and they don't really, they don't, ch- like, let's say this week I rode a hundred miles, just example. And it did, and maybe I was sore and it was too much. And instead of adjusting next week, my plan, it's just like a it's edge and stone plan. You need somebody who's flexible with your lifestyle. Okay. Coach, do you have any questions? Um, so many, so many. So what's what's up next for you? What's what do you got planned for twenty twenty one? Well, I was supposed to do Ironman Tulsa in May, but I had surgery on December the fourteenth. So that kind, of, and I should have been start training in December. So that race is out. Um, I signed up for a marathon in April, which I won't be able to do because of my knee. But toward the end of the year, I have a half Ironman in Wisconsin in September, and I'm signed up for Ironman Barcelona in October. My coach said I should be able to rehab and make it by then. But I don't want to push it because I don't want to – I've had a lot of injuries. This one actually was from skiing versus running because my last – I had surgery on my other knee in 13. That was from running. And I had a procedure three years ago on my foot from chronic plantar fasciitis. So I've had a, I've had a lot of injuries. So despite the in- overuse. Oh, okay. A little <laughs> over, overtrained. My last one was because I fell when I was ski racing. So some of it is, you know, overuse and some of it's just. Wait, no, wait, wait a minute. You said ski racing? <laughs> that part. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, so when you say you ski, I'm thinking, you know, you go up to the lodge, you know, you have a couple of drinks by the fire, then maybe you go Just out. frolic around. <laughs> frolic. You <laughs> said ski race, Dr. Brown? Yeah, I ski race, and it, it's so much fun. It's such an adrenaline rush. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I ski with, like, in our, I'm with the club, the National Brotherhood of Skiers, and then they, they have these satellite clubs. I'm with Sugar and Spice, which is a virtual women's club. So I race with my team. So we compete against other teams at our mm-hmm. at the summit. But I also 
I mean, I've raced a few local races, but people locally, they race like every week. I race like maybe three times in the season. But my goal is to beat people like at the summit. So. Lonnie, wow. have you ever seen a ski race? Have you been to a ski race before? I, I have never, I have never, I have never skied. I'm like, <laughs> so this is all wonderful. Oh my God, it is just amazing. It's, it's, it's like, I don't know, you get this, it's feeling on top of the mountain going down. I mean, I can't even put it into words. It's like a drug. But I've never taken drugs, but it's like <laughs> <laughs> so is it is it are you are you are you shoulder to shoulder? Are you pushing? I'm I'm probably gonna sound oh, so no, naive one, right now. Oh, it you go one by one, or sometimes they'll have like you basically ski around these they call gates, oh, but okay. they're kind of like flags. And, and they sometimes time they'll have two stations set up and you can like kind of race the person next to you, but it's based on time. Got it. If you like this episode of Black with Endurance podcast, please make sure that you're following us on Instagram at Black with Endurance. Make sure you like, subscribe, and follow wherever you listen to podcasts. And do us a favor, share this episode with one friend. If you share this episode with one friend, it helps us grow our podcast so we can reach more listeners. As always, we appreciate you and thank you for listening. Dr. Brown, is there anything you won't try? I won't, I won't bungee jump and I won't ski dive, um, skydive, I should say. But other than that, I don't know. Surfing. <laughs> Surfing, I would try, but I probably wouldn't be great at it. But I would try. It would be. It'll be fun. Have you snowboarded? I haven't. I said I was after I got bored with skiing. I would try it. The whole concept of me having my leg straps to a board. I don't know. Some about it. Skiing. I feel like at least my legs are freer. Hmm. I, I might try. But they fall a lot when they first start. That's why I don't. Uh, yeah. I went I got snowboard lessons and at that time one of my friends that went with me hit a rock went up in the air and bow and broke uh, his shoulder really first first time and I was like oh, no I'm good <laughs> well, I was doing all of that extra stuff though See, yeah it, it wasn't like he was doing anything extra he just uh, oh, was gosh. trying to go down and oh, it was his first time and he hit a rock and it just oh, like just yeah yeah, yeah I don't know I have a lot of friends to board it looks cool when you know what you're doing, though. And they yeah, have the hand. They had a, the nicest video. When you're skiing, you got the pose in your hand. So it's like, they had the coolest videos. <laughs> <laughs> do you, now, you, you say you have a lot of friends that board. Do you have, is, is your friends, your social network as active as you? Do you have parts of your family or friends who are like, what are you doing? You know, you're out here skiing. You're out here cycling. Why are you doing all these white folks type activities like I have those friends but um like in the home my brother thinks I'm crazy I know and I had a patient today I don't know she was asking me about skiing because I was limping she's like what happened I'm like I had surgery she's like what happened I'm like well something happened in March I ski she like I didn't think black people ski so I showed her some of my pictures she was like I've been missing out (laughs) 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 but I have friends who do a lot of adventurous stuff but then I have friends who are like you're crazy 
Then I have friends who ski. They're more like they'll do a couple runs and they go to happy hour. It's not that they're not really into it. They're into the social. Yeah. I like both parts, but I'll go skiing by myself if I can't find anybody to go with me. I'll get on a plane, rent somewhere to stay, take some lessons or something. Where does that Where does that come from? That that willful independence, like I'll just do it by myself if no one's coming. Where do you get that from? I don't really know. Uh, maybe my father, because he was kind of an adrenaline junkie. But I don't know. Um, I just, I get tired of waiting around people. I'm like, I want to do this and no one else wants to go. So I'm like, I have to do it myself. So. Well, I look and I'm like, everything that you're talking about and doing is competitive. Where did this competitive drive come from? I don't even know that either. Maybe my dad, because my mother... I mean, she was, she was smart and very driven, but not really athletically inclined. My dad was in the military, so he had to run, but he didn't really like run as for leisure. He had to do it just because he had to pass his PT test. Yeah. As a kid, did you play uh, competitive sports? I mean, I was on the track team, but I was slow. So, um, so I really wasn't any good and I was in the band, but I started running really in 2010. I mean, I'm like, I started before I went to residency. I had on my bucket list. I want to do a 10K. So I signed. I think I did. I got a program out of Runner's World, and I just trained and I ran my 10K before I went to residency. I had all these buckets like I was gonna die going to residency, like I was gonna have a life. So <laughs> I ran the 10K and I started running for a while until my third year of residency. I started doing Susan G. Coleman. My mother got diagnosed with breast cancer, but I started like with the walk, and then I did the one mile run. And I worked my way to a 5K, and then I did a 8K, and then a half marathon, and a marathon, and kind of progressed from there. And what, what was? Oh, go ahead, Coach. No, what's on your bucket list now? I got to hear this bucket list. I want to. Let's call. It's called Hella Skiing, where they take you up into a helicopter and you ski like this, like. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like it's really expensive and then I really need to be a really good good skier to, to do the ungroomed terrain like out in the middle of nowhere so you're just gonna be skiing in the wild it's not even a course there's no course well, I have friends who do that all the time like my coach he they do the backcountry and you have to have like a beacon and a backpack because if there's an avalanche the beacon they can find you and, and shovel you out if you get caught in an avalanche. What, I don't do, your, that. what do your <laughs> friends do? Were they assassins? And Jason Bourne? Is that your friend? No, this is, what my, this is my track coach. He does all these things. His videos are, are really cool. When they go boarding way out, wherever they go, I'm not at that level for backcountry. I usually do grooms in some un, ungroomed terrain, but no, not backcountry because you need extra equipment for that. Okay, so top of the bucket list, get in a helicopter, get dropped off in Siberia, and ski, <laughs> ski your way out. <laughs> wow. Damn. <laughs> what's what's number two? How do you follow that up? What uh, else is on the list? What else? I mean, another. I want to do another Ironman because my when I did Ironman Louisville, the swim was um, canceled because they had green toxic green algae in the river, so. Um, I want to do another one, at least another one. So I was supposed to do Tulsa last year, but COVID. And I had this weird thing with my heart, which wound up being nothing. But I had to go through all these tests, see a cardiologist, get an echo, because um, I didn't want to just drop dead in a race. So 
with all the workup and everything, I was behind my training. So I probably wasn't going to do Tulsa because he told me I probably shouldn't. Even though he said I was fine, but I had already like taken off time to get the work up and they had to, I had to wear a heart monitor. It was a whole little long little workout. Wow. Dr. Brown, you just have, you just have this, this kind of, you know, whatever, like, okay, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. You know, it, it doesn't even phase you. It just seems like it's just, I'm gonna well, write it down. It, and I'm gonna do it. It gives me life doing crazy stuff, I guess. And I don't, I think it's like, when my parents passed up, especially when my mom was sick, I realized like tomorrow's not promised. So it's like, I need to do what I love and what I want to do now while I can, so. How was that time in your life for you? Like after finding out your mom had breast cancer and everything? Well, I was the intern actually. I was in Portland, Oregon, my first year of residency. And I remember the call and I was shocked, but I'm like, she's gonna be okay. Um, and I remember my chairman, I love him, Dr. Douglas Dershow. He got money, which I might not need to say this, out of his apartment <laughs> <laughs> and helped buy me a ticket to go home and see my mom for the weekend. Because I was way in Oregon and I had to travel to Mississippi. So half the weekend was flying, but I got to see my mom, which I thought was sweet because he didn't have to do that. And I was a broke intern. So, yeah. So then she did well with treatment, but then she was in remission for years, but then it came back um, about two years before she passed away. So. And you said that experience uh, led you to create running is cheaper than therapy? Well, after I started running and realized how how great it was and how, how much it gave me, I figured I would share my story to help other people that I can help people not only like my patients and other people not only you know with medicine being I'm a doctor being a, or in, with medicine or with a knife that I can just tell my story and promote movement because it's it does more than just help your body it helps your spirit it helps your overall well-being so and then I also share about uh, all my injuries and how I keep running and how I don't let obstacles get in your way you can do whatever you want to do because I've had every I think I've had every common runner's injury known ACL as well oh well, actually this this last surgery I didn't completely tear my ACL mm -hmm. but I had basically part of it came off the bone so he had to put an anchor but I didn't have to do a whole reconstruction which is why my rehab was a little slow because I couldn't bend my knee past 90 degrees for a month hmm after so i didn't have like the full acl precautions not the whole nine months of rehab but it's a little slower than if i just had a meniscus tear got it <laughs> Coach, have you ever had any knee injuries you know um i just have inflammation uh, i've i've Knock on wood, I haven't had any major, I've never had to go underneath the knife. And if I ever do, I'm going to call Dr. Brown first. <laughs> right. Uh. It's, it's, a, it's a different experience being like the patient. Because it's just totally different because it's like you feel like you don't have control. And I'm like a control freak. Um, it's just a weird experience being on the other end. So, so how did you pick your, your orthopedic doctor? Alexis, <laughs> you're an orthopedic surgeon. Well, the, the first surgery I had, um, which is, it's in my book too. Um, 
my knee was bothering me and I was like, huh, it's nothing to worry about, but I kept running and it kept bothering me. So I ordered myself an MRI and then on it, it didn't show an obvious tear on the MRI. It was a little, it was like what's called fraying, which is real minor. So I saw one of the doctors who trained me. He like, was just fraying and I wasn't hurting right there. It was like my whole knee was hurt. Then I saw this other doctor that trained me. He was like, oh, it's not even your knee, it's your IT band. Hmm. So I'm like, no, it's not because it's hard to examine your knee. But I knew it wasn't that because, well, because feeling all around, I was like, no, it's not that. So I went, this was right before I moved to Chicago because I came to Chicago and I was going to run with one of my friends and I couldn't run. So I'm like, this is crazy. I've tried, I tried the injections, I've tried therapy, I've tried all these things that still bother me. So I found this, I looked at, how did I find doctors? this doctor i looked him up on online and i went to see him and i had this synvis which is this hyaluronic acid it's not cartilage one of building blocks cartilage um i brought it with me so him to inject in my knee which i thought was kind of he probably thought this woman is crazy <laughs> but he actually he injected it with the hyaluronic acid to see if it was going to work um and then i came back and see it was bothering me he was like well you might as well have surgery you tried everything else you want to get back to running so when he got in there, he said it was a bad meniscus tear. So the MRI didn't really show the full extent of my injury. And so I had surgery in May. And my crazy behind was thinking I could run a marathon in September, which didn't happen. Um, mm. I did run a 10K, and that was more like October. And then I ran two marathons the following year. Mm. So for someone out there right now who's dealing with some chronic injuries um, and their doctors have told them just stop, right? Don't do anything. What, what would be your advice for someone struggling with injuries and, 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 you know, someone just telling them just to stop and don't do anything? What would be your advice? I wouldn't, I would go get another opinion because you might need to stop for a little while or you might need to modify your activities or you might need to, instead of running 50, a 50 miler, maybe run just, you know, a marathon. So <laughs> or, instead of running a seven minute mile, you might need to go to a 10 minute mile, but I wouldn't give up on your activities, but especially if that's a significant part of who you are. So I always, for my friends, like my doctor told me I couldn't, I'm like, you need to go get another opinion. Cause I mean, if you really want to do it, I mean, there's ways to do it. You might just have to modify it. Boom. Noted. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is a boom. I, and I don't, you know, I, I always, as a coach and a trainer, I, I tell tell folks, um, especially my clients, I'm the pit crew chief. You are the driver and your body is the car. Mm -hmm. I don't drive the car, you do. You and your, your brain and your spirit. When something's wrong with the car, I want you to go see the engineer. That would be the doctor, mm -hmm. right? Doctor's gonna know more than me. And then the, doc, the engineer should be telling you when to go see the mechanic. For me, that's the physical therapist. They're the ones who should be physically manipulating your body. That's not me. And then between the engineer and the mechanic and you, the driver, I'm the pit crew chief. We'll come together and create a plan. And so, you know, I like to tell folks that I don't think that the doctor knows everything because they won't know how to drive your body. That's your oh. body. But you do need to be able to listen. And I'm definitely not the mechanic and I'm definitely not the doctor. It's all a relationship. So that, that's very reassuring coming from you. Yeah, one of my friends, she's uh, she's also a triathlete and a marathoner. She's like, it takes a team to do what we do, which is true. With the doctor, I have a therapist, 
I like I have my therapist on speed dial. I've seen her since I've been. <laughs> I have a therapist. I've seen I had acupuncture before. I mean, it's it's really. A, and then I have I go to this recovery room sometimes get ice baths. And then I have these compression boots. It's all a process if you're trying to do all these crazy things. <laughs> Definitely. I have a nutritionist. I mean, it's it's a whole bunch of different things that you need to do endurance sports. Okay. So as we wrap up, since we are all on the same mission of trying to get more of our people active outdoors, doing stuff that's good for them, what would you say to someone who is listening to this podcast, sitting on a couch, that's afraid to take that first step to go run a freaking 5k even <laughs> not even a marathon but to get started what would you what advice would you give them well i would say first see your physician and make sure you're healthy um you know get make sure your heart's healthy make sure you have that you can in you know exert yourself to, to run um first of all second of all i mean it's easy you can download it's called a couch to 5k which you can download on your phone or online. It can tell you what to do every day to go from your couch to running a 5K. And then there are different programs, the Galloway Method, where you can walk so many minutes and then run. So it's a progression. You don't go from your couch to running a marathon. So even if you just want to walk, walking is great. Because when my knee bothers me and I can't run, I still get out there and walk. I actually went for a walk today. I had surgery because I knew that was going to be the last time I'll be able to do it. People were like, why are you? I'm like, my surgery's not to five o'clock. So I'm like, it's <laughs> <laughs> like it is one work out of Before. Right. <laughs> I feel that. So I think it's little things like, I mean, it's little things. You don't have to aim big and just set small goals. And you don't have to be perfect. And if you have a setback, don't beat yourself up. It's all a learning process. And it's supposed to be fun and for your health anyway. Oh, I'm just kidding. Oh, and I resonate with that so well. Because I right now, my, my right knee is just kind of funky. I think I'm sitting too much. And I get inflammation in there, which is new for me. It's the first time this year I've ever had to deal with that. But, you know, yesterday I walked 13 miles. And I got some good elevation. I wanted to run. But I'm like, you know what? You can tear something up. It gets to that point where you realize, like, I can walk as long as I want, or I can try to run and tear it up and not be able to do nothing. I think I'm just going to go ahead and walk. And, and you know, I think for a lot of folks, they don't really understand that, especially as they get, if they've never really been into sports and they're new to it, mm-hmm. they feel like, oh, okay, I got to go sprint this three, this 5K. I'm yeah, like, I'm like, no. And then some people think every workout has to be a personal best because they – too busy on social media but people post their workout the good ones they not well some people i post all of the bad one i'm like this sucked but i got it there anyway but mm-hmm. i mean <laughs> every workout every run every race is not gonna be your best but you you're doing well just to get out there yeah i'm an 80 20 guy i'm an 80 20 coach 80 percent of the time like for my running i want to be you know in a low zone i want to be something i can control because at the end of the day, I want to work out more. And I don't, my inten- high intensity workouts take longer to recover. You got to yep. be honest. I'm over 40. It takes me a little bit longer to recover. I'm still yep. good though. I'm still strong. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does. Like when I'm speed work and I do heel work and it's like 
especially when I caught pseudo injury and I'm working through it, which is you shouldn't do. Um, <laughs> which you shouldn't do. But um, yeah, hard workouts. Sometimes it's, it's those nice little leisurely runs are good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's still moving. You don't have to be competing or in competitive mode yeah. or trying to you know, flex for the gram, just get moving. Yeah, and if you want to touch your friend we're on the seven minute mile, you don't have to. I'm nowhere near a seven minute mile these days and I'm okay with it. <laughs> Definitely. I get so mad at those fast people. <laughs> but you know, it's it's all good. It's all good. I'm figured I'm not gonna be a seven minute mile probably ever, which is okay with me though. Yeah. That's okay with me. As long as I make it to the finish line, especially triathlon in the designated amount of time in a triathlon, I'm cool. That's all <laughs> what, what is the designated amount of time? I'm sorry. <laughs> what is the designated well, amount of time? Well, Ironman and half Ironman, it depends on the race sometimes. You have a designated amount of time. Say you might have 16, 30, 17. Um, it depends on the race to finish that distance mainly because you know the volunteers they have permits for a certain time um so you have to be done and then they have cut out they're like for the swim they met they'll have a cutoff time and then for the bike they have a cut a cutoff time then they have an overall cutoff time yeah okay good to know and for anybody that wants to follow you where can we find you <laughs> um, well my social media handles are all we life oui life oui love um and they can on my website, find out about my podcast as well, but it's called Running is Cheaper Than Therapy and also have a book with the same name. It's in audio, hardback, and paperback. Ooh, I love audio. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, it has been a pleasure. I look forward to talking to you again later on, uh, on uh, what you call it, Clubhouse. <laughs> yeah. I just want to say thank you. Thank you, for one, for your time and thank you for being a pine a pioneer and if there's one word that i think about when i hear your name it's fearless because Definitely. you 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 are absolutely fearless i you know it's like hey let's go jump out of a helicopter on some skis in the back country you're like okay cool <laughs> <laughs> right i love it <laughs> so thank you well thanks for having me this was fun thank you all right I'm oh, let us know. Let us know when we're coming on, uh, what you call it, on Running Sheep for the Therapy. Yes, yes, yes. You'll have to give oh. me some dates. This will be fun. I've only done two interviews with two people, but I think they're fun. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> more, more to bounce off. <laughs> yes. All right. All right. Thank you, Dr. Brown. Well, thank you. Have a good night. You too. That was a great conversation with Dr. Brown. I always enjoy talking to her and listening and learning. Uh, that's why I go to her rooms on Thursday, uh, Running and Cheaper Than Therapy Club on Clubhouse. So if you're not already, go there and follow. And also, I left her personal IG in the show notes if you want to go ahead and click that follow button. And if you haven't already, make sure you check out her book, Running is Cheaper Than Therapy as well. 
So you can buy it, I believe, on Amazon. And if you're into audiobooks, as I am, because I'm an audio person, I love listening to podcasts and audiobooks, you can get it on audio, Audible as well. So check it out. I really love her story. And also, I will be on her podcast, Running is Cheaper Than Therapy. So if you're not already, go over there and subscribe to her podcast. Um, she drops gems. She has a lot of incredible guests. So I want to make sure that you guys are getting the best information and hearing the most inspirational stories. So make sure you're following. As always, I appreciate you. Thank you all for listening. Let me know if you have any questions or comments. You can hit me up on IG at Black With Endurance. Also, I'm going to have a room on Clubhouse with Dr. Brown. So look out for that. Um, and yeah, <laughs> have a great day. I appreciate you all. Thank you.